0: This is Stand Up For Jesus with your host, Craig Nedrow, founder of Craig Nedrow Ministries and Stand Up For Jesus. Our focus is to reach out to the lost and witness about the transforming power of Jesus Christ and calling on others to stand up for Christ and his word, proclaiming that Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. And now, standing up for Jesus, here's Craig Nedrow.
1: Welcome to the program. This is Stand Up For Jesus, and my name is Craig Nedrow. On the program today, I want to do what I always do, and that is I want to look and teach from a couple of different sections of Scripture. And I want to talk about these Scriptures today in relation to where we are at as a nation today. And if you've listened to the program before, you know that um, I have a certain calling on my ministry, and it is referred to as a watchman calling. And the Apostle Paul said, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. It's not a popular calling, but I know it's part of the calling that's been on my ministry for many years. And um I grew up in the United States of America and I love my country. I don't recognize the country I grew up in. It's changed so much. And like many of my listeners, it grieves me to watch what's happening in America today in so many different ways. Um, I know that you, some people say, well, I think our greatest days are ahead of us, and I would challenge anybody to show me the evidence of that. Uh, I don't see a lot of signs on the on the horizon that our greatest days are ahead of us. Uh, the good news for believers is that I believe that we are very close to the return of Jesus, to rapture the church. I don't know the day or the hour, the week or the month or the year, but I think the Bible gives so many signs that we are truly living in the last days. But that still does not change the fact that my heart breaks for my nation. And not to be a doom and gloom, but I believe that we are in the middle of and watching the demise of America in so many different ways. And I think it can be traced back if we want to really be candid and be transparent it can be traced back to some decisions that we've made as a nation, some directions we've gone as a as a nation of people, and for the lack of a of a better way to say it, the lack of the spirit of repentance. You know, I can tell you that um, without salvation or without repentance, there is no salvation. Uh, it, it, every person has to come to a place in their life where they must understand that. Uh, they need a Savior that they can't save themselves, and that they need a sa- Savior, and that we were we were born in sin. Uh, we We live in a fallen world, and I can speak personally about my own life. There came a place in my own life where I understood that I was a sinner. I confessed my sins before the Lord. I came clean with God. I repented of my sins. And repentance does not mean that you're sorry that you got caught. Repentance means that you're sorry for your actions. You're sorry that what you did and um, to have a change of mind, a change of direction. And that's truly what repentance means. And so I came to a place in my own life where I realized that I had lived my life in rebellion to what God says is right and wrong. I confessed my sins to the Lord. I um, repented of my sins I surrendered and humbled myself and surrendered to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of my life. And um, I came to the understanding that I needed a Savior, and there's only one Savior, and it's Jesus Christ. And I'm not ashamed of my faith. I'm not ashamed to tell people that Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. And those are some of the, the callings upon my ministry. And so when I When I teach on this program and when I preach and speak in different places, I try to do it um, being faithful to the Scriptures. I believe the Bible. I believe the Bible is God's Word from the opening chapter of Genesis to the closing chapter of Revelation, and I want to rightly divide the Word of God. And I don't ever want to personally offend anyone, but I I want to correctly teach what the Word of God has to say. And we are now living in a culture where people get so easily offended by the truth. And if you want to know the truth about any subject, you can go to the Bible. Jesus said, when he was praying to the Father, he said, your word is true. Your word is truth. And uh, Jesus, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. You want to know the truth? Go to the Bible there it is. And so I teach from the Bible, and I don't, I don't candy coat the message. I don't tap dance around what the Bible teaches about what is right and wrong. And I don't do it from a self-righteous viewpoint. I do it from a very concerned American, a very concerned Christian. I care about other people. I recently had a, one of my college roommates passed away. I pray that he was saved Um, but he he didn't live here in Dallas where I live. Uh, I hadn't had a serious conversation with him in many years. And to be honest, I can't, I, I don't know. It's above my pay grade. I don't know if he was truly saved. I pray that he was, but it also, when things like that happen, it creates an urgency in some of us that we need to sit down and talk to people that are in our circle of influence and have a very concerned, loving conversation, because I want to know: Are you saved? Are you do you do you know that you're going to heaven? John wrote, and he said, "I write these things that you may know that you have eternal life." And so um, that's how um, that's the, the the position I come from. Um, I, I, I'm concerned about people. Obviously, I'm concerned about my nation. But as I said a few minutes ago, I think that it the the um, all the signs are there that America's greatest days truly are behind us. And again, I don't mean that as a doom and gloom. But um, we are in such rebellion to what God's word has to say about uh, how to live our lives as individuals and as a nation of people. We have thumbed our nose at God's word. Uh, we have stuck our finger in God's eye and said what we think uh, is ro- what we think is uh, uh, what you think God is is right and wrong. We disagree with, and we think what uh, you say is right. We think is wrong, and what you think is wrong, we we now celebrate and call it right. And that's a spirit of rebellion, and that's a spirit of an antichrist, and that is taken hold in America. And I think the signs are everywhere. Uh, we are a um, a morally bankrupt nation. We have strayed so far from the, the direction that God had us on. We were formed as a Christian nation. We have lost our way. And I would love to tell you that I think the spirit of repentance will fall on this nation, and we will return to God and confess that we have wandered from Him, and we will repent and return to Him. And... um could it happen? Yes. Do I believe it's going to happen? I do not. I believe Jesus will come. I believe that the things that we see are happening in the world and in our nation are signs that the Bible says would be that uh, society would be like in the very last days, just before the return of Christ. And I think we're witnessing this over and over in so many different signs that the Bible gives us and one of the great signs is then Jesus said, when you see all these things begin to happen, know that your redemption is near. And so there, the, the term is called convergence. When we see convergence of sign after sign after sign after sign that the Bible gives of what the conditions will be in the world just before the days of the return of Jesus, and when these signs converge, that is in and is in and of itself one of the great signs, and we're witnessing that today. So I say all that to say this, I'm going to be teaching from a couple of verses in the New Testament, and then I'm going to go back over to the, to the Old Testament and give um, s- biblical support for the verses I'm teaching from in, New Te- in the New Testament. So if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to open them to the book of Galatians in the New Testament. Now, the book of Galatians was written by the Apostle Paul. And if you uh, can flip over to Galatians, we are going to to begin our teaching today in Galatians chapter 6. And I'm going to begin um, reading actually in verse 7. And so, I'm in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, and here's what the Apostle Paul says. Do not be deceived. Now, when I teach, I stop wherever I feel like the Lord's leading me to stop, and I will comment and teach on. So... Paul starts out and he says, do not be deceived. And I will tell you that one of the one of the big signs of the very last days before the return of Jesus is that the spirit of deception will be rampant. Jesus said, it will be so great that if possible, even the elect will be deceived. And Jesus said, and Paul said, deceivers and mockers and scoffers will grow worse and r- worse, deceiving and being deceived. And we're... We are seeing a, such a strong spirit of deception that is rampant in the world. It's rampant in America. People are literally buying into the lie that the devil has put out in so many different areas regarding immorality, regarding uh, spirituality, uh, regarding um, uh, salvation. Uh, you know, the numbers are staggering. You can You can look at the numbers, and the numbers say that as many as— Uh, Greater than 50% of confessing Christians believe that there's more than one way to get to heaven. The Bible says that more than 40% of pastors that are standing in the pulpits teaching today in our churches believe that there's more than one way to get to heaven. That astounds me. That blows my mind because Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one gets to the Father except through me. Now, I may not be the smartest person walking around but to me that is such a clear concise statement that jesus gave and i understand it and i believe it and so how could when jesus makes that comment and says i am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me you either reject that or you're being lied to somehow where you say well and this is some of the things we hear i you know i I think that's very narrow-minded for you Christians to believe that you have the only way to get to heaven. Look, it it is narrow-minded. Jesus said, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to damnation, and there are many who travel on it. He said, but difficult is the way, and narrow is the road which leads to eternal life, and there are few who find it. It is a narrow road. It's a narrow-minded road. And it's it's only it's so narrow it only goes through one person and his name's Jesus. And yet the devil has deceived people into thinking that well we can be good people and get to heaven. The Bible says no one is good, not one. The people have been deceived into thinking well I can I can give a lot of money or I can serve or I can do a lot of good deeds. Folks it, you can't add to what Jesus did on the cross and you t- can't take away from what Jesus did on the cross. There's only one way to get to heaven and yet um the spirit of deception is so rampant. And Paul says here starts out in Galatians chapter 6 verse 7 and he says do not be deceived. Now I will tell you there's several places in the New Testament where the Bible says do not be deceived and the bible would not say do not be deceived unless people are being deceived i know that sounds like a simple statement but it's think about that the bible says do not be deceived and it says that because uh the the writers of the gospels the writers of the, the of the bible knew that people would be deceived and paul starts out and says do not be deceived and then paul makes an astounding statement paul says god is not mocked God is not mocked. Now, what's the word "mocked" mean? Let's and and when you're studying the word the the Bible, I I would encourage you to have a a, a concordance at your disposal. Uh, there's apps. I, I have a, a concordance on. It's just an app. You can get the Strong's concordance at the app store. Uh, and put it on your phone. And anytime you're reading the Bible, stop. Go to the concordance. Pull it up and see what the what that word means in the original Hebrew in the Old Testament, or Aramic, or in the original Greek in the New Testament. And here, that word "mocked" in Galatians chapter six, verse seven, when Paul said, "Do not be de- do not be deceived. God is not mocked." That word "mocked" is the word Mikterizo, m y k t e r i z o, and it means. Treated with ridicule or treated with contempt. So think about that. Paul says, God will not be treated with contempt. And I challenge you folks that to a large degree in our, own, in our nation and around the world now, God is treated with contempt. People mock God. People scoff at God. They, they, um, they, they treat his word with contempt. And, and Paul says, do not be deceived. Please do not be deceived. God is not mocked. And then he says, for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. And when it says whatever a man sows, it could just as easily say, whatever a nation sows, a nation shall also reap. And I'll dig more into that on the other side of the break. I'm going to take my first break. My name is Craig Nedro, and this is Stand Up for Jesus.
0: We return to Stand Up for Jesus with Craig Nedro on Christian Talk Radio, The Word, 100.7 FM.
1: Welcome back. This is Stand Up for Jesus, and my name is Craig Nedro. and I'm teaching from Galatians chapter 6. I started reading in verse 7 where the Apostle Paul says, do not be deceived, and I mentioned how strong the spirit of deception is in our world and in America today. And then he says, God is not mocked. And that word mocked is the uh, Greek word miktorizo, and it means uh, treated with contempt or ridiculed. And I will challenge you that we treat God and we treat his word uh, with contempt. We, we uh, I know people who openly scoff at what the Bible has to say about uh, what's right and what's wrong. Listen, the Bible says, and I want to flip over and read you a quick verse— In Isaiah chapter 5, listen to this, this is such a powerful statement. In Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20, the Bible says, Woe, and that word woe is an old ancient Hebrew word that means guilty and waiting for sentencing. And the Bible says here in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light, and like for darkness. And we now live in a time where as a society and people who are in control and people who are in power, we now call evil good and we now call good evil. And I can get real specific, but most of you can think of certain things without me even saying them. But I will give you an example. What God calls evil in the area of spirit, uh, of sexual immorality we now celebrate it how far down this r- crazy road are we going to go with sexual immorality and look I, i'm not i'm not talking from a place of uh, self righteousness okay i'm i'm a man and i live in a body that's of flesh and Uh, David said, I allow my eyes to look at nothing worthless after he had the fall with Bathsheba. Any man that says he can't fall, can't stumble, uh, needs to be very careful because the devil is on the prowl. But I will tell you, uh, when I was growing up 25 or even 25 years ago or 15 years ago, if we would have shown you the things and told you the things that are now being celebrated and accepted in our society you would have said, you people have lost your minds. And I will tell you, we have lost our minds. We are now celebrating the sexual perversion and the sexual exploitation of children. And you see it, it's shocking what we see, and yet we are becoming numb to it. How far are we going to go down this road? And that's just one example. So let's go back over to the sixth chapter of Galatians where Paul says, do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. And I, again, we treat God what God says is right, we call wrong. And what God says is evil, we now celebrate. And Paul continues, and he says, whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Now, I want to tell you that several years ago, I heard uh, Dr. Charles Stanley doing a teaching on this particular verse, and I found it interesting and enlightening what uh, Dr. Stanley said. He said, look, uh, the, the the law of sowing and reaping, you can, for lack of a better way to say it, you can use a farmer. He's going to put seed in the ground, and whatever kind of seed he puts in the ground, that's what he's going to reap. So he sows the seed and reaps the harvest. And he says it, it, you don't put corn in the ground and reap wheat. You don't put um, watermelon seeds in the ground and, and reap uh, cucumbers. Whatever you sow is what you reap. And then Charles said, and whatever you sow, you will reap in abundance. In other words, you can put a few seeds in the ground of corn and you will reap an entire stalk of corn that may have several ears of corn Uh, you can put a few seeds in the ground and you will reap something much greater than what you put in the ground so whatever you sow that's what you will reap and you will reap greater than what you have sown that was something that dr stanley taught on and i think it was enlightening because stop and think about it now if that's true in the in the natural realm Think about it in the spiritual realm. And when Paul says here in Galatians chapter 6, whatever a man sows, it could also say whatever a group of people or whatever a nation sows, that man or that nation will also reap. I think, and I'm going to wait just a minute before I go back to this Old Testament section, um, but I think what we're witnessing in America today is, is the the reaping of what we've sown. We have sown corruption, and we are reaping the the results of the corruption. We have sown uh, sexual immorality, and we are now reaping the consequences of that. We have sown financial irresponsibility, and we are now witnessing the consequences of that. Uh, we are we have sown rebellion against God and against His Word, and we now live in a society where we have problems, where we have no answers to them. We are more divided as a nation than we have ever been. And not only are we more divided, the two sides show no signs of being able to reconcile and come back in agreement. You know, when I was growing up, if I told a lie and I got caught telling a lie, I got in trouble. How strange that sounds now. We now live in a society where our national leaders, where lying has become a national pastime. People lie about everything, and they will lie over and over and over again. And the thought is, if you lie over and over again, and you lie convincingly enough, your lie will then become the truth. We see it in rampant fashion with politics. Tell a lie often enough, tell it convincing enough, and have all the different media channels get on board with it, and it will become the truth. And we've actually witnessed this where the majority of the population will begin to believe that lie, that it is the truth. We are now reaping what we've sown. And Paul continues, and he says in verse 8 of Galatians chapter 6, for he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh Reap corruption. So let me ask you a simple question: In the United States of America, in the last fifty, sixty years, have we been sowing to the flesh? And you know what I mean. Have we been sowing to everything to please ourselves? Um, look at the look at the again. I hate to go back to it again, but look at the sexual immorality road that we've been on. I, when I grew up, um, and they had these sitcoms on the air. Uh, afternoon shows, Uh, I'll give you a quick, uh, Many. I'm kind of dating myself. There was a show called Dick Van Dyke, and uh, Dick and Laura Petrie had separate beds. They slept in separate beds, and there was a, a, I don't know if it was a, a law, but it was a rule where each one of them had to have one foot on the floor when they were laying in separate beds. Think about that compared to now. Hmm. We have sown to the flesh, and look what we are reaping. And it says, he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. Let me also ask you this. Can any of you name a time in this nation's history where politics, business, on every level, from school districts to local city governments to state governments to national governments— and not just one party both parties listen this is this nation is corrupt to the core in business in politics uh in the leaders that run this country in so many different areas this nation is corrupt and it's more corrupt than than any time in my lifetime i'm 65 and i've never seen it never seen the corruption at the level that we have it now and I love the directness and the clarity of the Bible. Paul says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. God will not be treated with contempt. Whatever a man sows or whatever a nation sows, that man or that nation will also reap. And he or that nation who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. And then Paul says, but he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. You know, one of the deceptions that the devil's put out there is that there's a gray area where the Bible— you know one of the things I love about the Bible? It's black and white. It's life and death. Bible says the power of the tongue. It, in the power of the tongue lies life and death. The Bible calls certain things cursings and blessings. You know, the, the, the gray area that we want to live in so much now in this world and in this, in this nation— that's an area that has been conceived and brought about by the devil, where the, the, the lines between right and wrong have been rubbed out. Well, you, you, you might say, Craig, what, just because you say something's right doesn't make it right for me. Well, there's some truth to that. And at the end of the day, it doesn't make a difference what I say is right and wrong, and it doesn't make a difference what you say is right and wrong. The only difference that it makes is what God says is what the Bible says is right and wrong. And the gray area, the Bible doesn't live in the gray area. The Bible is black and white. My name is Craig Nedro, and this is Stand Up for Jesus.
0: More of Craig Nedro and Stand Up for Jesus on Christian Talk Radio, the Word, 100.7 FM.
1: Welcome back to Stand Up for Jesus. I'm Craig Nedro. I've been teaching in Galatians chapter 6. And I've been teaching in verses 7 and 8, and I'm going to read these, and then I'm going to flip over and give you um, some context, some foundation to these two verses in the Old Testament. So here in Galatians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul is is writing, and he writes in verse 7, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. And I challenge you, that can apply to a nation as well. And he continues in verse 8, yeah, in verse 8. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And I've talked at at length about the fact that here in America we have sown to the flesh and we are now reaping what we've sown. And I've talked about the, the level of corruption that is rampant in our nation today. I've talked about the fact that I believe America is more corrupt now than any time in my lifetime, and I'm 65 years old. I believe we're more divided as a nation than we've ever been in my lifetime. I do not see signs where—and, and you know, maybe, maybe you feel differently, but I don't see any signs where the left is going to say to the right, you know what? We've been way off base on this stuff. You know what? We think you guys are right. We're coming back over. We're going to agree with you guys. And I don't see any things where the real conservative right is going to say to the left, you know what? We believe that everything you're teaching and everything that you're saying is okay is okay. We think it's okay to go ahead and sexualize our children. We think all those things are okay. Um, I I just don't see the two sides coming back together. Maybe I'm naive. Maybe I'm narrow-minded. But I I just don't see signs that um, there's going to be a reconciliation between uh, the conservative and, and and the liberal, between the right and the left. And I certainly don't see signs that we're going to come together as a group of people and then come and say, we've been wrong, let us humble ourselves and repent as a nation and come back under the authority of God's Word. I just don't see that happening. And I would love to be wrong. But what I see is the word, the Scriptures playing out according to what, the, what it says would happen in the very last days before the return of Christ. Folks, I want to make a statement. And it's okay whether you do or don't uh, agree with me. Nothing else has to happen for Jesus to come back. The conditions that the Bible says must take place for Jesus to return have all taken place. Jesus could come back at any moment. That doesn't mean I know the day or the hour, the week or the month or the year, but it also doesn't mean that it couldn't happen at any at any moment, day, week, month, year. Bible tells us to be ready. And I'm telling you, this world is primed for the Antichrist to come on the scene. And for that to happen, Jesus has to come back and remove all true believers from the planet. Now, I said that uh, from Galatians chapter 6, I wanted to go back over to the Old Testament and go to some verses that give support of what Paul's talking about when he says, do not be deceived, God will not be mocked. So turn in your Bibles to Jeremiah. And I'm going to go to a a fairly uh, well-known set of verses, and I want to teach for a little bit from Jeremiah chapter 18, and this is about the potter in the clay, the potter's house. So I'm going to read the first uh, six verses kind of quickly because I really want to get into uh, starting in verse 7. But here's what the Bible says. If you have your Bibles, flip back over to Jeremiah chapter 18, and here's what it says in Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 1. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord. So this is is the word that came to Jeremiah, but this is the Lord speaking. And it says, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying... Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was making something at the wheel. So try to follow this word picture. The Lord tells Jeremiah, Get up and go down to the potter's house, and there I'll cause you to hear my words. And first of all, I will tell you, I find it interesting that the Bible says, Go down to the potter's house, and it doesn't say go up on the top of the mountain. Okay? Sometimes we have to be humbled uh, before we can hear the word of the Lord. And the, the the Lord tells Jeremiah, go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. And, and uh, Jeremiah, he obeyed God. He says, then I went down to the potter's house, And there he was making something at the wheel. So here's the word picture. And he says, And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. That word marred, it's important that you will understand what that word is. In the original Hebrew word for marred is the word sabbat, S A B A T, and it means corrupted, mm, wasted, or ruined. I want you to hang on to that word sabbat, it means corrupted, wasted, or ruined. So God says uh, to Jeremiah, go down to the potter's house. Jeremiah says the vessel that he made of clay was marred. It was ruined, corrupted in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. Then in verse 5, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, O house of Israel, and in place of O house of Israel, just run with me here. What if it said, O United States of America. But it says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter, says the Lord? Look, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. So if you took out, O house of Israel, and you put America, it could say, O United States of America, can I not do with you as this potter, says the Lord? Look, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand. O United States of America. Now listen to this. This is very important, these next several verses. The Lord is speaking, and he says in Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 7, The instant that I speak concerning a nation, see it's this is not just about a man, it's about a nation. God says, The instant I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom, to pluck it up, to pull it down, and to destroy it. If that nation against whom I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I thought to bring upon it. That's a powerful verse. You know what that is? That's repentance. God says, look if I, if I've made my mind up and I'm going to destroy a nation i'm going to because God can he says, I'll pluck it up, pull it down, and destroy it." Uh, my, some people might think, well, I don't think God would destroy the United States of America, really." That's part of the deception. That's, that, is an, that is a naive thought to think that God would not and cannot destroy America if he so chooses. God says the instant that I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck it up, to pull it down and destroy it, if that nation against whom I have spoken turns from its evil. Wow. What if America turned from its evil? God says, I will relent of the disaster that I thought to bring upon it. Now, let me continue. Listen to this. God says, and the instant I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom, kingdom to build it, to plant it, if it does evil in my sight so that it does not obey my voice, then I will relent concerning the good with which I said I would benefit it. Do you see, I mentioned a few minutes ago, I love how black and white the Bible is. God speaks to two different nations. He says, speaks to one that he's going to pluck up, pull down, and destroy, And then, and then, because it's doing evil. And he says, if that nation will turn from its evil. Then he says, that concerning a nation then I want to build it, and I want to plant it, if that does evil in my sight. And then he makes a very interesting comment, and he says... Uh, does evil in my sight, in verse 10, so that it does not obey my voice. Folks, one of the consistent themes throughout the Bible is God says, if you will obey me, I will bless you, I will protect you, I will prosper you. I will be your front guard and your rear guard. He said it to the nation of Israel over and over and over and over again. And when they obeyed God, things went well for the nation. And when they disobeyed God, things did not go well for the nation. Listen, if we were formed as a Christian nation, why would the the same principle not apply to America? God would say, America, if you will obey what I ask Look, he's our heavenly father. Anybody listening to this program who's a parent or a grandparent, do things go better with your kids when they obey you and do what you ask them to do because you know what's best for them? Or do things go better when your kid says, nope, I'm not going to listen to you. I don't think you have an idea in the world what you're talking about. I'm going to do exactly what I want to do, and I don't care what you have to say what's right and wrong. Hmm. You get, which kid's going to have a better house, uh, home life? <laughs> think about that with us. He's our heavenly father. And he says, if you will obey me, I will bless you and protect you and prosper you. And he's done it in the United States of America. But all of a sudden, in the last 40 or 50 years, we began to turn. And we thumbed our nose at what God says is right and wrong. We said, we know better than you. We've evolved as a society. God, we no longer want to be under the authority of what your your word says is right and wrong. We know better. And let me ask you something. Is our quality of life now better than it was 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago? I will challenge you. The wheels are coming off this deal, and we don't have the answers, and we don't have any idea how to stop what's happening in America right now. And yet the answer is so simple. I'm going to take my last break. My name is Craig Nedro, and this is Stand Up For Jesus.
0: Back to Stand Up for Jesus with Craig Nedro on Christian Talk Radio, The Word, 100.7 FM.
1: Welcome back. This is Stand Up for Jesus. I'm Craig Nedro. I started teaching today in Galatians chapter 6. I am now in Jeremiah chapter 18. What a powerful section of scripture! This is about the potter and the clay the potter's house, where the Lord tells Jeremiah to go down to the potter's house. The potter was making a vessel at at the wheel that was marred, and so he made it into another vessel as it seemed good. And then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah and said, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter? Says the Lord, look, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so you are in my hand. He says, the instant I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom, to pluck it up, to pull it down, and to destroy it, if that nation against whom I have spoken turns from its evil, speaking of America as well, I will relent of the disaster that I thought to bring upon it. And the instant I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build it up and to plant it, if it does evil in my sight that it so that it does not obey my voice, hmm, then I will relent concerning the good with which I said I would benefit it. I'm challenging you that... We have turned from what God says is right and wrong. We no longer, as a nation, want to obey the Word of God, and that's why we're having the problems we're having. And then listen to what he says in verse 11. This Continuing, to, this is the Lord speaking. He says, now, therefore, he tells Jeremiah, now, therefore, speak to the men of Judah. Hmm. Notice that he always puts the men first. In other words, us as men, we're responsible for our families and for the direction of our of, of our families and our communities and our nations. He says, speak to the men of, the, of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. So he's talking to all the people. He says, uh, and, he, and, and it says, now, therefore, speak to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, saying, thus says the Lord. This is about the fourth time he says, hear my, this is my word. Listen to me. This says the Lord. Behold. When you see the word behold, it means listen to me. God says, I am fashioning a disaster and devising a plan against you. Return now, everyone from his evil way, and make your ways and your doings good. That word ways is the Hebrew word derek, D-E-R-E-K, and it means course of life or path you are on. So God says, turn now from your evil way and from your ways, your course of life that you're on, and make your doings good. God says, please repent and return. And listen to what it says in verse 12. Here was the response of the people, and I would challenge you, here's our response today. The people said, that is hopeless. So we will walk according to our own plans, and we will, everyone, obey the dictates of his evil heart. You know what the people said? God, we're not interested in what, you're, what you say is right and wrong anymore. We've evolved. We're going to do what we want. And I would tell you that applies to us as a nation today. I want to read that verse again. The people said to God, when God called them to repentance, it said the people said, that's hopeless. We will walk according to our own plans. And does that not describe America? Our leaders in this country, spiritual leaders, have grown silent. Business leaders are corrupted politicians, all parties, all the politics are corrupt. And the the leaders in this nation would say, nope, that's hopeless. We will walk according to our own plans, and we will, everyone, obey the dictates of our own evil heart. And you know what God says? Go ahead. Let me know how that works out. And that's where we're at as a nation today. I know it's a strong message. Please hear my heartbeat. I deliver a message like this because I care about my nation. I care about people. I have kids and grandkids, and I care about the future. Folks, the only hope we have for America now is to confess our sins as a nation, repent, turn, surrender to the Scriptures, and know and understand this, that Jesus is the only hope for America today. My name is Craig Nedro and this is Stand Up For Jesus.
0: You've been listening to Stand Up For Jesus with Craig Netro, founder of Craig Netro Ministries and Stand Up For Jesus. If you would like more information about Craig Netro Ministries and Stand Up For Jesus, visit our website at CraigNetroMinistries.org or give us a call at area code 469-688-7615. Be sure to listen next week at this same time as we stand up for Jesus on Christian Talk Radio, The Word, 100.7 FM.